सिन्नो मित्र संवरुण सिन्नो बृहस्पति सन्नो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यामिष्यामिष्यामि गुरुरात्मेदि 
मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदानर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदानतीतद्वैतभानतःतीतद्वैतभानतःगुरूनाराध्यवेदातगुरूनाराध्यवेदातसारक्ष्येथा Discussing now the gross creation. First, what was discussed was the causal. Then, what was discussed was subtle. And now, what is being discussed here is the gross. <coughs> and having shown. the evolution of the five gross elements or the five elements in their gross state then also showing how a combination of these elements brings about this whole creation consisting of 14 worlds seven up and seven down so these five elements by the way uh, apart from providing a model for creation it provides model for other things also for example our body also is looked upon as as a seat of these five elements there is a predominant of one element in a given part of our body for example the uh, uh, the lum- lumbar region and the legs and the portion below that is where the element earth is predominant then the abdomen in that region that is where the element water is predominant then the, uh, the region of stomach that is where the fire is predominant you see we have fire stomach fire then the area of the chest that is where the air is predominant the lungs and all the respiratory system and the area of the neck that is where the space is predominant the head is where the mind is predominant and the crown of the head is where the self is supposed to be there this is how the yoga yoga shastra looks upon this whole body as thus consisting of the seven principles and they seek to conquer the principles and there were corresponding to this element we have what we call the centers which they call chakras and thus corresponding to these elements in those regions you find those the centers of uh, focus of concentration and the yogis seek to slowly and slowly conquer each one of these energies you may say that each one of the five elements represents some kind of an energy corresponding energy and they concentrate their attention on those centers so these centers are specified <coughs> and ultimately they seek to rise to the level of the self which is supposed to be in the crown of the head then there is supposed to be a lotus with 1000 petals and 
when you, uh, when the energy rises to that point, then there is a shower, you know, of the bliss and whatever. But this whole system is, uh, what you're saying is, that this whole, I, I, the model of five elements is something that is a very important model. It's not merely a model given, well, as I said, very important model to understand the life, understand our experiences. At the same time, it plays a very important part in the other systems of spiritual pursuit also. We are not uh, versed in it, nor are we concerned with it. But just for your information, that how uh, these elements, etc., play a role in terms of the... Uh, and so, when the yogis supposedly concentrate on different centers, which represent a particular uh, element, then they gain experience of the subtle qualities. So our body consists of the gross five elements. But at the center is the subtle element, and therefore, if you are able to tune up with the element earth by concentration upon that focus of attention, then supposedly you gain the experience of smells, not the gross smells, but some very subtle things. And when you are able to concentrate on the element, the center which represents element water, then the yogi experiences what they call divine or unusual smell, I mean the taste. And then with air, different kinds of senses and of touch. With the fire, different kinds of colors. Air, different kinds of touch. Space, different kinds of sounds. That's how they call of anahata, etc., different sounds. And then with the mind, and then with the self, the what they, know, what they call bliss or ananda. Anyway, so this is how they gain various experiences by uh, focusing, by concentration of their energy and thus by conquering the different elements. This is how their system of spiritual pursuit is. <coughs> but this is by the way. Here we, are, we do not focus our attention on this kind of a pursuit, not that we would say such a thing is not there, but that that is not what we are seeking in as much as what we are seeking is the fundamental truth that is in and through each one of these experiences. And that is a self. It is not something to be concentrated upon. It is something to be known because it is my own self. I cannot really concentrate my mind upon myself because I cannot visualize the self in that sense. But that self, the ananda that they are seeking to experience, Ananda is my very nature, and therefore it is not something which you have to arrive at, but something that we have to understand. And therefore, all the attention here is focused on understanding the nature of the things the way they are, rather than trying to create something which is not. This whole tendency to create something, the whole tendency to reach something or achieve something itself is a denial. As you say, the very attempt to search for the tenth man is a denial of the tenth man. And similarly also, the very search for that ananda itself is, so when I'm searching for something, naturally my attention is upon something other than myself, and therefore that very search uh, amounts to the denial of what is. And therefore, we rather want to focus our attention on what is 
And that method of focusing attention is to understand what is, <coughs> rather than an attempt to create something that is not, or experience something that is not. That does not mean that those experiences are not there, that does not mean that whole spiritual pursuit is not there. That. But then, the way what we are pursuing is understanding of the nature of the things as they are. <coughs> and here in Vedanta, therefore, they are just describing the things as they are for us to understand. And when we understand the nature of things as they are, then we release ourselves or our mind from the false notions or superimpositions that it, at the moment it has been entertaining. And when that superimposition is understood as superimposition, then the mind no more projects a duality or no more projects a sense of limitation or or, or what you call a, 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 a sense of inadequacy. So idea is that what we call dukkha or unhappiness or what we call the bondage or inadequacy is not a fact, it's something that is created by the mind on account of aviveka or non-discrimination and therefore we seek to make the mind see the facts of life as they are then it stops projecting what is not and thus is able to see what is. That is the attempt that we are making here. That is the way to see the truth, to discriminate between what is truth and what is not. <coughs> so here what is being described is creation. To understand that all of this is non-self. It was said, Asarva Bhutayam Rajyav Sarparovavat Vastuni This whole section began by a definition of what is known as Adhyaropa or superimposition. The stage is superimposed a snake upon the rope. The rope in which there is not even a trace of the snake. Upon that a snake is superimposed. This rope which is real in the, in, as far as the illustration is concerned, upon that there is a superimposition of snake which is unreal. And so also upon self or Brahman that is real, there is superimposition of this whole personal creation, creation of the ego. And then the whole universe that arises out of this ego. <coughs> so we want to understand the nature of superimposition. And all of this, what is being discussed here, in great detail, as a causal world, as a subtle world, as a gross world, all of these are none other than the aspects of superimposition. How the first superimposition is of the nature of cause. So even the causality also is a superimposition. How that superimposition slowly and slowly expands or into what we call the subtle superimposition. And how that further expands into what we call the gross superimposition. And thus we have this whole universe consisting of the causal, subtle and the gross creations. All of which fall in the category of Adhyaropa or superimposition. So when we are discussing these great details about the fourteen worlds and what not, the intention is not again to necessarily provide scientific details, etc., which they may very well be. Or when you describe this thing in great detail, it may appear as though we are describing something that is real, that also is not the intention. These are being described in great detail in order to understand our own experience of what we are coming across, what we are experiencing, and to see, as we said yesterday, 
the purpose of describing creation is to reveal the truth that whatever there is is Brahman alone because from Brahman alone the whole creation has come about and therefore what obtains now also is Brahman and what appears to be not Brahman is a superimposition. <clears throat> so this is a truth which is sought to be conveyed in and through all the discussion. We should not lose track of that. In all the other details, very often people get distracted. They look, look for science and, and geography and, and stuff like that or, or geology or I don't know, whatever, in, in Vedas, sometimes in Upanishads also. Uh, but that we don't get distracted, that we keep in mind the intention of this whole discussion is that, to, I mean, is to show that this, what we call creation is a dharupa, a superimposition, and how that superimposition can become so concrete, it can be so tangible. You, you, I mean, it's hard for us to accept that thing which is so tangible, this body which is so tangible and real and concrete, that's a superimposition. And the pain and suffering that we are experiencing is all superimposition. It's very hard for us to accept that. And that is why such detailed, elaborate discussion on the what is so-called tangibility. What we call tangible is nothing but what is called gross here, or sthula. And that is derived from what was subtle at one point in time. And that is derived from what was causal at one point in time. And that is derived from what is truth. And so, uh, how the superimposition can gain a great uh, tangibility or, or solidity as though, like the snake appears to be very tangible and, and solid, real, and this creates in us various reactions. So this is the Vedantic principle. The principle of Vedanta is to show, all the time to show, the mithyatvam of samsara. What is samsara really is not this world. Samsara also is not this body. N nothing is samsara. Samsara is adhyaropa. Taking one thing to be other than what it is, is samsara. Taking body or mind or intellect which is non-self, taking it to be self, is samsara. Body is not samsara. So wise man is not a samsara in spite of having a body. An Atma itself, of course, not samsara because it is full, complete. But taking the Anatma, non-self, to be the self and superimposing the littleness or the limitations of the non-self upon Atma, the self, this is what we call samsara. This is called mutual superimposition, superimposing non-self and its qualities upon the self and superimposing the self and its attributes upon non-self is what we call Mutual superimposition. Taptayas pindavat, like a red hot iron ball. How there, the, this, this spherical shape or form of the iron is superimposed upon the fire and how the fire looks round. And how the heat and red color of the fire are superimposed upon the iron. The iron now looks red and hot. So this is called mutual superimposition. And so also there obtains in our life this kind of a mutual superimposition wherein the non-self and the attributes of non-self are superimposed upon the self and the self and its attributes are superimposed upon the non-self and we have a this 
very unique or a peculiar entity, which is what we call ego or ahankara or the jiva or the individual. <clears throat> and when we understand that, well, then the whole creation is of the same nature. That's how the Sankhyas describe the process of creation. According to them, what obtains in the beginning is avyaktam or pradhanam or unmanifest. From that arises mahattattva, which is the total intellect. From that arises ahankara, the sense of individuality, the total ahankara. From there, the five elements. From there, the sense organs. From there, the sense objects. This is how they describe the whole process of creation. And so, first of course is a mahattattva intellect, but then immediately what is created is ahankara or the ego. And that is the source of the subsequent creation. <coughs> so when you understand the nature of the ego as to how it's a, it's a product of adhyarava superimposition, and how ego can, can be the cause of something that is so tangible and solid, then the tangibility of the creation, etc., will not bother us once we understand that, that mechanism. So, here is an attempt to explain that mechanism. <clears throat> so, how the whole solid, tangible creation came into being, where there was nothing but Brahman, all that was, was Brahman, one without a second. And how, when the idea of individuality arose, and how from there the whole creation came about. <clears throat> So it was said in the passage 110, Atrave Chaturvida Sakalas Thula Shariram Eka Aneka Buddhi Vishayadaya Vanavad Jala Shayavadva Samashtihi Rukshavad Jala Vadva Vyastiravi Bhavati Atrave here also Chaturvida Sakalas Thula Shariram This entire gross, the whole aggregate of all the gross bodies of all the beings which are classified as four kinds, depending upon how they are born, Jarayuja, the born of womb, Andaja, born of eggs, Swedaja, born of moisture, Udhija, born of earth. So these are the four kinds of beings. In all these fourteen worlds, supposedly, and therefore, the aggregate of all the gross bodies of all kinds in all the world would be what we call Samasti or the aggregate, the totality, like a forest, which is an aggregate of all kinds of trees, of all shapes and size and whatever, and still the aggregate is called one forest, and similarly also the aggregate of all these gross bodies is called one Samasti, when Ekabuddhivishayataya, only when all of the, them are appreciated just in one sweep, in one buddhi meaning, in, at, at simultaneously when all of them are appreciated by looking at the very essence of them, then it becomes samasti. On the other hand, when our attention is focused on the individual features of a given body, then we, our mind or buddhi is confined merely to just one name and form, one gross body, then it is called vyasti or the individual standpoint. So forest is a standpoint and tree also is a standpoint. That's all that is what is said here. There is some an entity here which somebody calls forest because he is at a certain elevation. Some other calls, some other one calls them trees because he is looking at it differently. 
So one entity, when looked upon differently, is is understood or appreciated differently by different people. And so also, the aggregate of all the gross bodies is appreciated as one samasti or one aggregate, when all of them can be understood as one alone. And when the attention is focused upon individual body, then there are many bodies and we have what we call the vesti or the individual standpoint. <coughs> Then, says passage 111, Etatam Vividham Rajamanatvacha Now, having told us the nomenclature or the designation of the Upadi, meaning aggregate of all the gross bodies and the individual bodies, Samasthi and Vyasthi, now the teacher tells us what is the nomenclature or designation of Chaitanyam or the consciousness associated with these gross bodies. <coughs> so it is said, Etat Samashti Upahitam Chaitanyam. This Samashti Upahitam Chaitanyam. Chaitanyam the consciousness Upahitam conditioned by Samashti the aggregate of all the gross bodies. So that the consciousness is there everywhere. Wherever gross body is, of course, a consciousness must be. And then with the consciousness, one consciousness associated with all the gross bodies is called Vaishwanaraha. There is a name. So what we call the cosmic person, the person, meaning the consciousness, having cosmos as a whole body. How, for example, in my gross body, my self is pervading. So I, the self, pervades every cell of this gross body. Imagine every cell as an individual body, imagine. But every cell is an individual being or an individual, individual gross body. Then in our body there are countless cells. And similarly also, let us say this body represents the whole universe. And every cell represents one body. So there are countless bodies in the universe. There are countless cells in my body, so imagine every cell represents one body. And how one self pervades every cell, one self pervades the whole body, every cell. And so also one Chaitanyam or one consciousness pervades all the gross bodies, every atom, every gross atom. And thus consciousness or Chaitanyam associated with all the totality of all the gross bodies is called Vaishwanara. <coughs> Why this so? Sarvanarabhimanitvat Vaishwanara. The teacher himself explains the name Vaishwanara that this self or the consciousness gains on account of its association with the totality of all the gross bodies. How the self gains the designation Vaishwanara. 
सर्व नराभिमानित्वाद सर्व मीन्स विश्व सो विश्व इज ए वर्ड इन संस्कृत इज अ प्रोनाउन विच मीन्स एवरीथिंग सो विश्व नराभिमानित्वाद वैश्वानर सर्व प्राणी निकायु अहमी अभिमानत्वाद वैश्वानर वेन दिस चैतन्य हैज अहम और आईनेस आइडेंटिफिकेशन विथ ऑल दी बॉडीज ऑफ ऑल द लिविंग बींग्स इन द होल यूनिवर्स वॉट एवर काइंड ऑफ लिविंग बींग्स देर आर इन दी बॉडीज ऑफ ऑल द लिविंग बींग्स वेन दिस चैतन्य मद कॉन्शियसनेस हैज आइडेंटिफिकेशन एज आई वेन द कॉन्शियसनेस इज आइडेंटिफाइड विथ ऑल द ग्रॉस बॉडीज विथ द नोशन ऑफ आई देन That Chaitanyam comes to be called Vaishvanara. <coughs> and Vividham Rajamanatvad Viradhi Uchchade. Vividham Nana Prakarena Prakashamanatvadcha Vairajatum Lahate. Virad. V plus Raj. Raj means to shine. V here is Vividhena. So V means variously. Rad means shining. Since he shines variously, since the same consciousness, the cosmic self manifests himself variously in all these various forms. Therefore, it's called virad, shining or manifesting in diverse ways. Therefore, it's called virad. And since it's identified with Vishwa or all the bodies simultaneously, therefore, it's called Vaishwanara. <coughs> so, Vaishwanara and virad. These are the names. चकारात पूर्णत्वाद पुरुष है द्रष्टव्यम राजमानवाच एंड सो डिफरेंट नेम्स आर दर पुरुष वी सॉ इन पुरुष सूक्त दिस इज एग्जैक्टली वॉट वी एक्चुअली स्टडीड इन पुरुष सूक्त दिस वैश्वानर और विराट वॉज अलोन डिस्क्राइब इज पुरुष पूर्णत्वाद वन इज कंप्लीट पुरुषनाथ वन डेल्स इन द सिटी ऑफ द बॉडी Or one who dwells in the city of the whole cosmos is called Purusha. Sahasra Shirasha Purusha, Sahasra Akshas, Sahasra Va. So to say, this Purusha or the cosmic person is Sahasra Shirasha, having countless heads. Sahasra Akshah having countless eyes. Sahasra Paat having countless feet. As I say, head stands for all the limbs. I stand for all the organs of perception. The feet stand for all the organs of action. Therefore, this person has countless limbs, countless organs of perception, countless feet, countless organs of action. Meaning, he is the one who is functioning through all the limbs. He is the one who is functioning through all the organs of perception. He is the one who is functioning through all the organs of action. This person, the consciousness, the self, is called Vaishwanara. Because he is Nara, Nara, Vishwa, and Nara. These are the two words. Vishwa means all, and Nara can mean man, or Nara can mean a living being. So, being associated with all the living beings, he comes to be called Vishwa Nara, and also is called Virat. He alone is shining. So, look how this consciousness of the self of Brahman is shining before us. This whole universe. He is shining in diverse ways as the whole universe. 
shining as all the living beings, shining as all even the sentient and insentient beings. So one who is shining and manifesting in diverse ways is called Virat. So this cosmic person is called Vaishvanaraha, Virat is called Purushaha, and so this is the various names that are given to that. Purusha evedagum sarvam visodha yad bhutam yacca bhavyam so sabhumim vishvato vrtva having pervaded the whole creation atyadishthat dasangulam he stands ten inches above meaning in spite of pervading the whole creation he doesn't get affected by the creation he retains his his purity, his completeness, his limitlessness, intact in spite of the various changes taking place in the in the universe. Just as the various changes take place in our body. But the, the body grows, the self does not grow. The body shrinks, the self does not shrink. The mind becomes happy, self again just eliminates that. Mind becomes unhappy, self does not become unhappy. In spite of being very much present, and in spite of eliminating every state and every experience, how the self remains totally untouched or unaffected by everything. So that is what is meant that even while pervading the whole creation, he remains outside the creation. Meaning, while sustaining the whole creation, he remains unaffected by all the various changes going on in the creation. While being associated with our body, our mind, our intellect, because the body, mind and intellect cannot be unless there is the self. Unless that provides the very existence, unless that provides the very awareness, very sentiency, very life, there is no way that this body, mind, intellect complex can be. And therefore this physio-physico-psycho complex derives its existence and its life and awareness from the self. And still the self remains unaffected by all the changes taking place in the body, in the mind, in the intellect. Therefore we call him a witness. So the self or the Atma, or the consciousness, simultaneously associated with all the living beings, is called Vaishvanaraha, is called Virat. <coughs> and that is the designation of what we call Chaitanyam. What is the designation of the Upadhi? We are what we call the Samasti Upadhi, or the aggregate of all the gross bodies. What are they called? That is being said in the passage, 112. Asya Esha Samashtihi Sthula Shariram Anna Vikaratvad Anna Mayakoshah Sthula Bhogayanadat Sthula bhogayana tvacha, sthula bhogayana tvacha, sthula shariram, jagraditicha, vyapadishyade. Asya esha samashtihi, now talking about the aggregate of all these gross bodies, meaning the gross creation. It is called Thula Shariram. Look, the whole cosmos is called Thula Shariram, the gross body of the Lord. So whole creation is the body of the Lord. Like every cell is the body of myself, 
and so also the whole creation is the body of the Lord. So it's called Sthula Shariram. Sthula Shariram because a gross body, because it is perceptible. Sthula or gross is that which is perceptible to the senses. And therefore, this aggregate of all the gross bodies is the Sthula Shariram or the gross body of the Lord. The aggregate of all the subtle bodies was the subtle body of the Lord. Aggregate of all the causal body was the causal body of the Lord. Aggregate of this gross body is the gross body of the Lord. Annavikaratvat Annamaya Koshaha And all these gross bodies of all the living beings are made of what? Annavikaratvat all the gross bodies of all of the living beings are nothing but the modification of essence of food. Same food ultimately, which comes from the earth, that alone forms the very essence of all the bodies of all the living beings. Whether it's a mosquito's body, or the body of an animal, body of an insect, body of a human being, or wherever any body is, all the bodies are made of anna or food. And so, this is why it is called annamaya kosha. Kosha or the sheath, which is made of the essence of food. <coughs> kosha, koshavat, achadratvat. Since these gross bodies effectively veil or conceal the true nature of the consciousness, or the true nature of the self, true nature of Brahman, by the manifestation of these gross bodies, we think that what we perceive is real. And therefore, the gross creation is taken to be the real creation. And therefore, we miss the reality. This is it. If these gross bodies were not there, well, that would have been one less problem for us. Of course, we would not be around to begin with. Anyway, less problem in the sense of committing this error or superimposition. That's all. Body is not a problem, understand. It just becomes an occasion for a person to commit the mistake. You go to the dining hall, there is a cake. This becomes an occasion, you know, that attracts you and you break your vow. You took the vow on the New Year day that I'm not going to eat any more sweets this year. What happens? The very presence of that cake, which is so well, you know, presented there, just becomes an occasion to tempt you and thus uh, perhaps deviate you from your vow. And similarly also, this body is present. It's so beautiful and so close and alive and sentient that it becomes an occasion for me to have this error, rather superimposition of taking the body to be the self. Similarly, my mind also is so alive and so beautiful and so close that it becomes an occasion again to take that to be the self. In that sense, we say that the body, the kosher, is a sheet which conceals the self. We have been saying all along, the body is insignificantly small. The self is limitless in every respect and there is no way that the self can be veiled or concealed by the body. But just as a cloud obstructs our vision and effectively conceals the sun from our vision, so also the body meaning the identification of the body, that I am the body. So what is Annamaya Koshaha or what is what the so-called food sheet? The body is not the kosha or the sheath, but the notion, I am the body, is a sheath. So what we call kosha or the sheath is a notion, 
Body is not the sheath, but the notion, I am the body, becomes a sheath. And that gives rise to all kinds of notions. I am a man, I am a woman, I am tall, I am short, I am whatever. So all of these notions are born of the identification of the body. <coughs> that is called Annamaya Kosha. Kosha of the sheath, made up of the modification of food, because it effectively conceals or veils the true nature of self from me. Is also called Sthula Shariram, the gross body of the Lord. Why? Sthula Bhogayatanatvacha. On account of its being the Bhogayatanam. Bhogayatanam meaning the Ayatanam, the county medium for experience. So you can say that the Lord also, or Brahman, through this gross body experiences all the gross objects. True. Because everyone experiences the gross objects of the world through this gross body. And if you say that the same consciousness is functioning through everyone, and that it is, then in that sense it is one consciousness that is experiencing simultaneously the gross objects of the entire world. So you can imagine one purusha or one person, one self, one consciousness, simultaneously experiencing the objects of the world through all the gross bodies. So this aggregate of the gross body is the counter of experience or the place of experience. The body does not experience really, it is the mind that experiences, but then body is the place where the experiences are gained. Body is what we call the, the seat or the location where the experiences are gained. Like office is my seat or a place where I am. I communicate through the telephones. So telephones are a means of communication. They are like the sense organs. But the telephone can be only where there is a place. So telephone requires a place. I also require a place. So also body is a place. Remaining where the self gains various experiences. And therefore the aggregate of all the bodies becomes the aggregate place Remaining where the Virat or the cosmic person gains the experience of the cosmic objects or all the objects in the cosmos. Therefore it is called Sasthula Bhoga Ayatanatvacha. On account of being Ayatanam, Ayatanam means abode. For Bhoga, Bhoga means enjoyment or experience. Sthula means gross. On account of its being the abode for the gross experiences. This aggregate of all the gross bodies is called sthula shariram, it's called the gross body of, of the cosmic person. <coughs> shariram, shiriyamanatvat shariram. That which is subject to disintegration is called shariram. And so the gross world is subject to disintegration, change, it is perishable, so it's called shariram. Sthul Shariram Jagrat Itiche Vyapadishare. And this is called the waking state of the cosmic person. When identified with the aggregate of all the gross bodies, we say that the cosmic person is awake. When he is identified with the totality of all the subtle bodies, we say that he is dreaming. 
when identified with the totality of all the causal bodies or ignorance, we say he is sleeping. So cosmic sleep, cosmic dream and cosmic waking. So that's the Chaitanyam in association with the totality of all the gross bodies is called the waker. And that state of experience is called waking. What is waking? Indriyehi Arthopalabdihi Chagaritam. The definition of waking is given. That when one gains the experience of the sense objects with, through the sense organs. Experience of sense objects through the sense organs. To distinguish the waking state from the dream state. Because in dream state also we gain experience of various sense objects. But the dream experience is the, that experience in the dream of all those objects is not through sense organs. At that time in the dream, these eyes and ears etc. are not functioning. So there is experience of sense objects alright, but not through indriya or the sense organs. And that is what distinguishes the dream state from the waking state, that in the waking state all the experiences are gained through the sense organs. Indriyehi arthopalabdihi jagaritam. Perception or experience of various objects through the sense organs or with the help of the sense organs is called the waking state. Never, this is called the Satanyam of the consciousness identified with or functioning through the totality of all the gross bodies. That state is called the waking and is called the waker. Jagrat <coughs> So this was the designation of what we call Samashti or the aggregate. Now coming down to the designation of Yashti, the same consciousness identifying with one Upadi, one gross body, comes to be called differently. And what is it called? That is being said in the passage, 113. Etata Vyastyupahitam Vyastyupahitam Chaitanyam Vishvaha Iti Uchyate Sukshma Sharira Abhimanam Aparityajya Sthula Sharira Adi Chaitanyam. So now the Chaitanyam or the awareness, consciousness of self, Vyastyupahitam, conditioned by Vyasti or the individual body. So when that Chaitanyam calls one body as I, when that Chaitanyam calls, all the body is I, then it is called Virat. When that Chaitanyam or the consciousness calls one body as I, then it is called Vishvaha Iti Uchade. Vishvaha, Vishva means complete being. So the Vekar, what we call Vekar in English, is called Vishva in Vedanta. Vishva means Vekar. Actually the word Vishva means everything. Vishva can be said to be complete being, because in a waking state there is a complete or a total expression of one's personality. In a deep sleep state 
There is merely the potential state, the whole of our personality is only in the potential or dormant state. In the dream state, there is what we call a half expression of our personality. It is expression only of a part of our mind. But when we are awake, then there is an identification with a gross body and there is a full or a total expression of our personality and therefore the waker is called Vishwam. So we must understand this, that the waking state is possible only when there is identification with the gross body, only when there is identification with the sense organs of perception, then alone it can be waking state. It is possible that you may be supposedly in a waking state, awake, not sleeping, and still not be awake. Sometimes when our mind gets lost, we become totally, uh, we, we lose the awareness of this body and of the gross world also around ourselves. At that time, we cannot be said to be awake because at that time, no transaction is going on through our sense organs. So, that state when the transaction is taking place through the organs of perception or the organs of action, that is called the waking state. So you may be sitting here with the eyes open also possible and still not be awake when the mind takes off somewhere, when it no more is transacting through the organs of action or organs of perception. Therefore, in the, in the text called Mandukya Karika, the teacher Gaudapada Acharya talks about the three states obtaining in the waking state itself. That when one is identified with sense organs, that time one is a waker. And the waker's place is supposed to be in the right eye. Eye stands for all organs of perception. And eye is the most important organ of perception because that is where our attention is maximum. I think what we miss the most is eyes. Of all the organs of perception, the thing that will be most missed by us, the loss will be great, the greatest loss will be felt if we lose eyes. And of the two eyes also, generally speaking, it is said that there is an identification more with the right right eye than with the left eye, but that so it was thought. And therefore it is said that the waker resides in the right eye. Meaning in all the sense organs of perception, but primarily in the right eye. The dreamer then is supposed to reside in the mind. So when your consciousness is withdrawn from the body and the organs of perception, and you are only dwelling at the mental level, and even though supposedly you are awake, you are still dreaming. And when your awareness goes away even from the mind, momentarily it may happen that you are not even aware of any thought. There is a total blanket. Then your mind, your attention is in the heart supposedly. So the sleeper is, the position is in the heart. And this way shows how even in what we call the waking state, all the three states are present. So waking state is possible when there is identification with the body. And when we say body, it means organs of perception and organs of action. And that identification requires also the identification with subtle body. It is not possible to be identified with gross body or functioning through gross body unless we also identify with the subtle body, with our mind. If the mind is not behind sense organs, then there is no transaction. And therefore, when a sense organ functions, either organ of perception or organ of action, the mind must necessarily be there. And therefore, the identification of the subtle body is always there when there is identification with the gross body. And 
Again, identification with subtle and gross bodies, meaning calling this body as I and calling my mind as I is possible only when there is ignorance. Only when I do not know the true nature of myself, that ignorance is there, then alone I will call the mind or the subtle body as I, then alone I will call the gross body as I, and therefore the identification, what we call ignorance or causal body also is there. Therefore, in what we call the waking state, there is identification with the causal body, with the subtle body, and with the gross body. And that is why there is a complete expression of one's personality. That's why the waker is called Vishwaha. Etad vyastipahitam chaitanyam vishwahiti uchyade sukshma sharir abhimanam aparityajya says here, aparityajya without having given up abhimanam identification with sukshma sharira with subtle body. So without having given up the identification with the subtle body, sthula sriyadi pravishtatva when the self enters the gross body, this is an entry. See, when we are in deep sleep, we have not entered the gross body or the subtle body. When you are dreaming, you enter the subtle body. When you are awake, then you enter the gross body. For example, in the dream state, we are not aware of the gross body, you know, it's... Uh, there's no identification. I'm not aware of my body. In the dream state, there is a dream body through which I'm functioning. So, when I wake up, when can I wake up? Only when I identify with the gross body. That is called entering the gross body. Here entering means identifying. So, when the self enters the gross body, without naturally giving up the identification of the subtle body, so Sthul Sriyadi Pravishtatvat, therefore is called the waker. It's called Vishwa. It's called the Vishwa or the waker. When it's functioning through the gross body, retaining the identification with the subtle and the causal bodies. So there are three upadis. One is the causal body, other is the subtle body, third is the gross body, which we have discussed so far. When the self is identified merely with the causal body or merely with ignorance, he is called the sleeper or is called pragnya. When identified with the causal body, ignorance and the subtle body, he is called dreamer or taijasa. And when identified with all the three bodies, the causal, the subtle and the gross, he is called Vishwaha or the Vaikara. <coughs> so these terms also should be remembered. These are important terms that are used again and again. Then, what is the designation of the upadhi, the body? That is being said in the passage 114. Asyapi Hetoho Annamaya Koshaha Jagradadisha Uchyade Asyabi Esha Vyastihi Asyabi of this Chaitanyam Esha Vyastihi, this individual gross body is called Thulisharivam. 
So the individual gross body is called sthula shariram. As we discussed earlier, it is gross because it is perceptible. It is shariram because it is siriyamanam, perishable. It is being perceptible to senses and being perishable, it is called sthula shariram. So understand the self has three bodies, the causal body, the subtle body and the gross body. Then the gross body is primarily the body. Subtle body is not a body in that sense, but then it also can be called a body because it is confined to the body. The causal body is not a body at all. The ignorance is not body in that sense. It doesn't have a shape or a form or anything. But ignorance also is called body from the derivative standpoint. That which is perishable is called a body. Ignorance also is perishable or destructible in the wake of knowledge, knowledge and therefore ignorance also is called causal body. Of this Chaitanya, the consciousness, this Vesti or the individual Upadhi is called Sthula Shariram, gross body. Annavikaratvadeva hetaho annamaya kosha And also it is called annamaya kosha, as we explained earlier, because it is annamayam, it is made of the modification of food, koshavat, achadakatvad kosha since it conceives the nature of the self, therefore it is called kosha or a sheet. It is called the food sheet. Because made of modification of food, it is sheet because it conceives the true nature of the self. When I take the self, body as a self, naturally I am uh, deprived of or I am kept away from the knowledge of the true nature of myself. Therefore it is called kosha. Jagrat itichuchyade. It is called jagrat or waking state. So while functioning through the gross body, the state of experience is called waking state. <coughs> this has been explained, the cosmic person and the individual person, functioning the cosmic body, cosmic body and the individual body. Then, now showing the vyavahara, the transactions, <coughs> says in the next passage, Tadanim etau vishvavaishvanarau digvata arka Varuna Ashvibhi Kramat Niyantritena Shrotradi Indriya Panchakena Kramat Shabda Sparsha Rupa Rasa Gandhan Agni Indra Upendra Yama Prajapati Vihi Kramat Niyantritena Vagadi Indriya Panchakena Kramat Vachana Adana Gamana 
विसर्ग आनंदाश्च आनंदा चंद्र चतुर्मुख शंकर अच्युत क्रमात्न मन बुद्धि अहंकार चिताख्यन अंतरिंद्रिय चतुष्केण क्रमाकल्प निश्चय अहंकार्य चैतांशूल विषयानुभवत जागरितस्थान बहिष्प्रजादिश्रुते नाव इज डिस्क्राइब्ड हियर द नेचर ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस दैट दिस चैतन्य द कॉन्शियसनेस हैज वेन आइडेंटिफाइड विद ए ग्रॉस बॉडी बोथ हैव सिमिलर एक्सपीरियंसेज सेम चैतन्यम आइडेंटिफाइड विद एग्रीगेट ऑल द ग्रॉस बॉडीज और आइडेंटिफाइड विद इंडिविजुअल ग्रॉस बॉडीज द एक्सपीरियंस इज सिमिलर द डायमेंशन इज डिफरेंट द एक्सपीरियंस एट द इंडिविजुअल बॉडी इज इन सिग्निफिकेंटली स्मॉल एंड एक्सपीरियंस थ्रू द टोटालिटी ऑफ ऑल द ग्रॉस बॉडीज इज वास्ट बट द नेचर इज सिमिलर तदानीम एट दैट टाइम मीनिंग इन स्टेट ऑफ वेकिंग और वाइल फंक्शनिंग थ्रू द ग्रॉस बॉडी एतौ धीज टू हुज टू विश्व वैश्वान रो विश्व दिल्फ एट द लेवल ऑफ द ग्रॉस वन ग्रॉस बॉडी वैश्वानर द सेल्फ आइडेंटिफाइड थ्रू द टोटल एंड ऑल द ग्रॉस बॉडीज इंडिविजुअल पर्सन एंड द कॉस्मिक पर्सन दे आर एक्सपीरियंसिंग वॉट शब्द स्पर्श रूप रस गंधान सो दिस वेकर एक्सपीरियंस इज वॉट शब्द द साउंड स्पर्श द टच रूप द कलर रस द टेस्ट गंध द स्मेल साउंड टच color taste and smell these are the five organs five fold objects that are experienced by the waker how do they experience srotradi indriya panchakena with the help of the five organs of perception this group of five organs of perception begin with srotra or beginning with ears so we have five organs of perception mentioned earlier the ears the faculty of hearing the skin the faculty of touch and the eyes the faculty of seeing the tongue the faculty of taste and nose the faculty of smell so this two with through these five faculties which are organs of perception these five four objects are experienced how can you experience them sometimes there are people who are not able to experience sound sometimes we are not able to experience color sometimes some people are not able to experience taste or smell because those faculties are not functioning properly there are many living beings who do not even have the benefit of these faculties as we said human being is the one who enjoys the privilege of having all the five organs of perception but there are many living beings who do not have the five there are some who have only four organs of perception some have only three some have two and some have only one organ of perception 
So how come this difference is there? This is called prarabdha. Prarabdha means it is the grace of God. It's only by grace of God that we are able to gain these various experiences. Let us, we understand the privilege that we are enjoying. That at the moment that the sound is heard is a great privilege. That the form is seen is a great privilege. When is that privilege possible? When there is a blessing of God. That's what is said. That these organs of perceptions function only when there is the grace of God. So this God alone is looked upon through different functions and is given different names. One Lord alone gains different names depending upon the different functions he performs. Like one person can be called father, can be called a driver, can be called a cook, can be called various given by various designations depending upon the function that a person performs. And so also one God alone comes to be called by different names. We saw in the in the uh, Purusha Sutta, how it is said that the sun is born through the eyes, from the eyes, so sun is the eye of the Lord, the moon is the mind of the Lord, the fire is the mouth of the Lord, earth is the feet of the Lord, heavens is the head of the Lord, the wind is the breath of the Lord, the intermediate world is the middle part of the body of the Lord. So how these different organs were identified? Imagine a cosmic person having all these different limbs as though. And here is one person having all the corresponding limbs. <clears throat> and he said that the corresponding cosmic forces also operate in the individual body. And only when there is what we call the grace or favor of all those cosmic forces, which we call devatas, then alone the functioning at the level of the individual body is possible. In short, my eyes can function only when there is the uh, favor or grace of the presiding deity of eyes and that is the sun. So you may say that the sun resides in my eyes. A fraction of the sun resides in my eyes and because of that alone the function of seeing is possible. And when that grace is not there, I am not able to see. So, the, the quarters are the presiding deities of the faculty of hearing. So, it is only by that grace that I am able to hear. So, it is big. Vata, the wind or the god, wind god, is the presiding deity of the faculty of touch. And therefore, I am able to experience or sense the touch only when there is the grace of that wind god. The arka, sun, is the presiding deity of the faculty of seeing. And the seeing is possible when there is grace of sun. Varuna, that's the presiding deity of the principle of water. So Varuna is the presiding deity of water. Our tongue, taste, which is the quality of water. So the taste is possible when there is the favor or the blessing or the grace of the deity called Varuna. And Asvi, so Ashwini Kumaras, another deities who are supposed to be the presiding deity of the faculty of smell, and that grace is necessary for the faculty of smell to function. So this is the idea. We'll take up this thought further tomorrow. So we have discussed this in the past also, how for different functions that are taking place in our body, that there are what we call the different presiding deities. One Lord alone, but is looked upon through different functions and we call him deities or devatas or gods. 
So different gods are nothing but one god looked upon through different functions. <coughs> and by the grace of those gods alone, the functioning of the different faculties in our body is possible. Okay. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Sri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om